Hi, everyone. It's Adi. Hope you all are doing okay. Um, I just uh, wanted to get in here and talk about something that I think um, is really important to get out of the way, um, especially as we start getting more and more people in the group. Um, I thought it would be a good idea for you to know where I stand around certain things that, you know, um, might be like very popular and common when job searching, but I found them to be very counterproductive. Um, and they're not, you know, they're not going to help you get there. So these are things that are going to be um, helpful for anyone like, you know, in any job search. But I think that especially as we get into um, a more competitive job market, the way that high tech is, then these um, strategies are going to be very important because they will help you, um, you know, really stand out from the rest. And, you know, so the, some of these might seem a little bit counterintuitive. Um, I hope that they won't. I hope that they'll resonate with you. But I want to say something about uh, conventional wisdom before, like, I get into all of these. And this is something that I also tell, you know, the the startups that I that I help in in my day job. Um, and it's that, you know, we always have this tendency, um, this very natural tendency, to want to follow conventional wisdom and to blend in and to. Um, you know, try to try to go like, um, try to be okay. Um, and our definition of being okay is is to be you know, to not stand out too much and to be like everyone else. Um, and it helps us feel like, you know, like we belong. Um, it's a very important uh, part of like the human condition. But when it comes to like trying to achieve very, um, you know, meaningful things in life and following conventional wisdom isn't a winning strategy. So there are like universal truths, but there are also like just things that exist because someone made them up. They were relevant ages ago when they were invented and they're no longer relevant, but people keep perpetuating these things. And so you know, if you look at the stats out there, most people are struggling to land a job, um, land their dream job. And so, you know, most people are following the same old strategies and they're struggling and that's why it's conventional wisdom, right? It's a convention, everybody's doing it. And so, you know, my take on that is that if you want different results from what everyone else is getting, then you better follow some different strategies instead of trying to do exactly what everyone else is doing. Um, and so that's all a note about standing out in conventional wisdom. And hopefully these will like, I, I will like make the case about these. It's not just like random stuff that I'm inventing. Um, I'll explain exactly why I'm advocating these approaches and these strategies. But that's just like a disclaimer. <laughs> so, right. So the sad truth is that most people um, 
like everyone has this dream. Um, everyone has their idea of what their dream job is. But the sad truth is that most people will never claim that dream job. And it's because most people are, are either um, too lazy or too uh, committed to what already is, to the status quo, the, the familiar. Um, they're too afraid to venture out. Um, or they're just, they've just been like crushed <laughs> too much by, they're like defeated by uh, life and their current job. If it's a really miserable situation and long, you know, given enough time, then it might've actually like crushed their spirit to the point where they don't believe that it's possible to work at a job where, you know, you are appreciated and regarded for your skills um, and, and compensated fairly for them, where you can earn enough to, you know, more than just get by, um, where you can advance and have, you know, these, this career growth potential and you can be fulfilled um, in, in what you're doing and feel like you're, you're, you're doing something meaningful both on a small scale and a large scale. So both, you know, that your role is meaningful within the company and that you have a say and you have a seat at the table. Um, and also just that with, in that, through that role, your company is doing great things. So you're actually influencing things processes and things within the company and in turn the uh, that company or organization is doing you know things in the world that have an impact um on things that you care about and so a lot of people have just been so jaded that they just you know by, by their day-to-day -day reality that they just don't don't believe that's possible anymore and then there are those who are you know super committed to getting that outcome but they just don't have the right strategy. And I, I kind of want to make this uh, the twist um, and the argument that they have the right attitude, but only to a point. So they do have the right attitude in that, you know, they're not expecting um, the, the world to like spoon feed them everything. So they are like, you know, what we'd call go-getters and they're not afraid to like roll up their sleeves and work hard to get what they want. Um, and, and they're willing to really invest in their dream, but they don't have the right strategies. Um, and so I wanna talk about those uh, very, very um, common strategies that people use and ways that they try to job search and, and how they go about it and why that actually um, is counterproductive. And also, you know, and then, and then I'll talk about, you know, what that actually is and what you can do instead. Um, and so the first thing that I see people doing, um, a lot is this spray and pray method, right? Where it's basically like, okay, I'm going to send in or apply and send in my resume to any position that is remotely relevant to my skill sets. And whoever hits me back, uh, hits me back up for, for an interview, then I'll show up and come. Um, and it's, it's weird because like, it's this, this is a really time consuming, um, way of going about doing things. It's like, it's, it's low quality, right? It's like, you know, it, so it, it, just like a quick, I'm, I'm 
I'm hoping that most of you in the group can already like understand why this doesn't work, but just in case there's someone out, out there who's still doing it. When a company is hiring for a certain position, um, they have so many applications coming to them that they're actually not trying to, um, they're not going through that stack of resumes or, you know, through the files of resumes that they have trying to pick out the best ones. They're actually working by process of elimination and they're weeding out the ones that are, that seem like irrelevant. And so what happens is basically, unless your resume is exactly what they want, then you're probably not going to make it to that next stage. And if you've been sending in a lot of interviews, a lot of um, resumes, sorry, and not getting um, getting called back to an interview, that's one reason why. Um, and so I don't even believe in sending in a resume at all. I, you know, if they ask for it in the process, then I will provide it and I always have it ready and it's always exactly as they need to, as they need to see it. But that is definitely never my first contact with the company. And it's also what I advise you to do. Never let the, the resume be your, um, like your resume is supposed to be like your business card into the company, your ambassador into the company. And it's just for, especially for people transitioning, but also just in general, it, it's just not as effective as other methods, which I'll talk about. And so you never want to be in the position where you're just wasting your time, essentially, sending out so many resumes. And it, it, it does take a lot of time. It does, it, each one of them is very low effort, but altogether, it takes a long time. And the return on that investment of your time is very, very low. So that is definitely something that we want to like scrap out of our vocabulary in this group. Spray and pray is not the strategy here. Um, and then the next thing is to, uh, the, the people who let their network do the heavy lifting for them. So these are the people who have already kind of realized that the way to get into, um, an interview, the way to get their foot in the door or to get recommended for a job is not to, um, send in some online application that's like an anonymous floating paper in a sea of other ones like it, like I just discussed, but they understand that they need to leverage their network. And so assuming that they have um, a substantial network that can help them, the mistake that people make here is to let that, that network do the heavy lifting for them. And what I mean by that is they don't, um, they don't go through the trouble of getting very, very specific about what it is that they want their network to give them and what it is that they actually want from their network. So a lot of times this will look like, you know, somebody just posting in a group, hey, I have all these skills. If you hear of something relevant for me, hit me up. And this, it, it places the onus of finding of like, first of all, even thinking of something that matches your skill set and then finding that and then hitting you up, you know, 
messaging you about it. Um, it places all that, that whole burden on the people who are supposed to help you. And that is, most people will just not do that. And it's not because they're mean or they don't want to help you or they're like trying to, you know, um, sabotage your career growth or anything like that. It's just that everybody has lives and, you know, everyone's very busy. And so the that approach of, you know, just asking a very open-ended question and broadcasting it in a very impersonal way um, without a very specific ask is very ineffective and it doesn't yield good results. And so, you know, the people who are already, you know, they're a level up above the spray and pray, the people who are like spraying and praying their resume, but they're still not understanding you know, they're still not seeing those results because they're asking their network and maybe like, you know, one or two people who who really like, you know, really, really love them like a like a like family will like go the extra mile to um, to help them. But I can tell you that, you know, my brother is uh, is job searching right now. And I, I find it very annoying that when when he acts in this way, because as someone who's supposed to connect him to a potential employer or to recommend him, you know, to a certain position, that doesn't show me a lot of, um, you know, proactive behavior. And that's, so I, I still do it for him because he's my brother and I love him. But, you know, you can imagine that, someone who is not your relative or your best friend or whatever, and is just very busy, they're not gonna, they're gonna say, okay, this person doesn't really know how, doesn't really get it when they see that kind of thing happening. Um, and so, and so really what's important to understand about this, um, this mistake, right, of, of letting the network do the hard work for you is, twofold. Number one, you want to make it easier for them so that they actually, you know, have a, it, it lowers like the threshold of effort that they need to put in in order to help you. And number two, you present yourself as a more, you know, proactive, responsible adult and not just this, you know, um, almost, almost like immature, helpless, uh, kind of assuming like a, a, a child, uh, kind of like an inferior position where you're just helpless, um, which is just not, a, it's not a good, it's not a very attractive trait as a potential candidate or a potential introduction that you're asking someone to make. Um, the next thing is to, it actually has to do with, with posturing as well. Um, and when I'm talking about posture, I'm talking about like how you, how you enter, like what attitude do you come with? What, um, what, uh, what kind of, how do you approach a certain situation? And so a lot of people, what they do is they approach the interview process, um, 
with this inferior position and it comes from like a I think a good place it comes from a maybe like a hesitant place where they want to be like good they want to be like good workers so what 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 this looks like sorry what this looks like is you would walk into an interview and you have you kind of wait to be told um when to speak what to say what the job is looking for and you're very reactive you're very passive you don't you know it, it by contrast imagine someone who walks in and really owns the interview which is what i teach okay so you really want to to you know you really want to come off always as proactive as you know someone who can who can take something and 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 get it done because that is you know when we're looking at high tech jobs and when we're looking at, at dream jobs in general um you know a, autonomy is one of the things that is going to give you the most um amount like the biggest job satisfaction and so there have been like studies about this right that like the the higher level of autonomy and freedom that you have to do your job as you see fit the more happy and satisfied you are in that role um but autonomy is earned and so if you walk in with the posture of someone who is who takes ownership then you will be treated as someone who takes ownership and you know it's also a good way of weeding out the places that um that don't want someone like that like if a company is just looking for for yes men or yes women or just people who will put their head down and and be micromanaged and do whatever they they're told then you know then you know that they're that kind of place if they respond negatively to your to your um posture of ownership and so that's So that's something that, you know, you never want to get into an interview and wait for them to start asking things and wait for them to make the moves and wait for them to lead the interview. You always want to be in there leading the interview and owning it. And then the third the fourth thing is in negotiations. The negotiation stage itself where I see a lot of people, especially women, especially women transitioning into tech um lowballing themselves in the negotiation phase. And I think it comes from a place where you're not sure that, you know, how, how much you'll be able to get, so it's a little bit of catch as catch can and you you just try to you know you lower your expectations and you lower what you'd be willing to take because you are afraid that what you really want isn't actually available to you and what you really want is out of reach um and you know that first of all like if you the, the, there's like a little bit of a dynamic here right because obviously you can't waltz in there and ask for like a 5 million dollar salary but um but what i find is that within the normal range for a certain salary which you should definitely know going into a negotiation 
Um, you should always actually ask for the higher end. Um, and we'll get a little bit into why in just a bit, but just suffice to say that, you know, you need to, you can't, you can't expect to be in a high paying, you know, high satisfaction job if you come in with the expectation that you're going to be taking a pay cut um, and that you might, you know, uh, not have the responsibilities that you want and you're actually already settling before the whole thing even started. And so those are all things that are not going to lead to this great outcome that you're out to get. So let's not forget, you know, that you're, it's true that you're here to make a transition and you might make the case that, you know, all you, all I need is to get my foot in the door of high tech. And from there on, it's going to be a breeze. But first of all, who's, who's to say that it will be a breeze. Um, and second of all, if you can have more, you know, like if I, if I told you that you could have more for sure, then why not go out and get it? Why not ask for it? Why not own what you actually want? Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, you don't like pe people do this because again, they're, they're afraid that maybe they don't believe that they can have more. Um, but that's something that, you know, those are, those are feelings, right? There's fear, uncertainty. Those are feelings. Um, you can go out and, and create some new beliefs about what you're worth and what you can get. And, you know, assuming that you can find real references for that in the real world that can support that because you can, you can support anything you want, right? You can find evidence for almost anything if you look hard enough. And I talked about this a little bit before where you're like, we assign meaning all the time um, to everything. And so, you know, we, we can use that to our advantage. And what I mean by that is that you can, you can take, um, this belief that you can't have as much as you want and start asking yourself, you know, start looking for things that disprove that, start looking for proof for, for something else, you know, that will serve you better because your goal is to get that dream job, not, you know, um, a doorway to the dream job, not a, a stepping stone to the dream job. Your goal is the dream job. So, so if you can find any kind of, you know, um, type of proof in the real world about, for instance, other people that have done this before and have gotten, you know, the high salary right away, or, you know, people who are looking for maybe, you know, maybe you didn't get, or, you know, for some reason you didn't get a certain job, but you noticed that the job description asked for exactly the type of skills that you have. And they, and you know that for that particular role, the salary is whatever. Um, and so you can kind of understand that, okay, if, I, if I'm looking at the higher end of that salary, 
And this is what I can potentially get from my skill set. So when you do all these things, these are just a few things that I like, um, that I, the, the first things that I could think of. Um, but there are tons of more things that people um, don't, don't really <laughs> kind of get wrong when they go about their job search. And they'll, I'll try to cover these um, in later broadcasts. I just don't want to pack too much into this one. But I want to make the case here that all of these problems, remember how I said before that the people who make these strategic mistakes, at least they're trying because they have almost the right attitude. Their attitude is one where um, they want, they're willing to work hard for their dream job. And so now I want to make the case that the reason the attitude is incomplete is um, because it lacks empathy and ownership. And if you look at all those things that I mentioned and all the mistakes that people make, um, even though they're working so hard, they don't see results because they're making those mistakes. It's because behind them, the, the attitude is misaligned from empathy and ownership. So if we look at all of those again, and I'll just review those, this will all make sense. And I think you're just, you're, you're gonna have like a, oh my God, mind blown moment when you realize that these all relate to shifting your 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 mindset or your approach or how you um, how you how you approach the job search like from a very from a very deep place so this is no longer like strategy but shifting that place internally will actually impact the way that you execute your strategy. Um, and so when you spray and pray, that's actually a very um, severe form of not taking ownership because you're like, okay, whatever. And you are, you, you know, on the surface, it seems like you're doing the work, right? Like you're working hard, you're really busy because you're sending, <laughs> copy pasting all, the, all this, all these applications. But in reality, you're not making any effort to understand what each company wants, um, who are the people who work for this company, what is their problem, how can I solve it, what are my traits, skills, experiences, you know, backstories that I can highlight in order to really stand out, and what other, you know, higher effort ways are there to infiltrate the company other than you know the standard resume route. So that's a complete lack of ownership there and a little bit of lack of empathy. Um, in terms of if we're looking at people who let the network do the heavy lifting for them. So granted, you know, you're a little bit smarter about the way that you approach it because you understand that it's all about the connections and the people can get you there. So you already understand that it's about people, but you don't understand that you know, you forget that the people in your network, they're just people, they're humans. So there's almost like a lack of empathy in asking someone to do the hard work for you of real understanding what position you're good for, of understanding um, who 
you should be talking to, what companies you should apply for, what positions you should apply for, how you should, you know, talk to people, all that stuff. That's, that's, you know, it's hard work, but it's your work, not theirs. And so if you could put yourself in their position, which is what empathy is all about, right? It's the ability to experience something from another person's point of view. Now, if you could put yourself in their shoes, the people in your network, then you begin to understand why your network isn't, you know, panning out as so helpful. And it's because you're not asking the right questions. You're not asking in the right way. Um, and, and the onus is on you and only you to help other people help you. Okay, this is super important. This is both ownership and empathy. The next one, coming to an interview with an inferior posture. When you do that, you're actually creating more work for your hiring manager, for your employer. You're, you're, showing, you're showing up as someone who needs handholding, who needs a lot of, you know, uh, very high maintenance instruction. And I'm not saying, you know, that this is part of management, right? People need good managers. But good managers also need good people, you know? So you, even if you don't know exactly what to do, which, you know, there are, there's definitely processes and, and ways, like one of the, the process that I use and that I've helped other people, you know, get, get jobs with is, is through um, um, getting to, to, to a point where you know exactly how to arrive at the interview with the ability to lead and own it. But even if you don't know how to do that and you haven't cracked that, at least have the proactiveness to say, listen, I'm a person who will, is gonna need um, like uh, very close instruction for the first X amount of time. And after that, trust me, I can take off on my own. But in the beginning, I know myself and I really need to like know the ropes. So if there's someone that can show me around, if there's, you know, if you have any material that I can study, you know, ideally you'd be doing that before the interview, but in case you haven't, or, you know, or if you haven't had, you weren't able to or didn't have access, um, they sprung the interview on you before you could manage to do that, then that is like the minimum. But to show up and expect them to tell you what to do at the interview stage, um, it's like to, to the employer, it signals a, a start of like a very uh, demanding relationship. And that's where like the lack of empathy is, right? Because you're not considering what it's like to be a manager, right? They, they that kind of, um, coming with that kind of attitude, like a, an employer, an employee, who comes from this inferior place of, oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Um, it creates a lot of work for the employer. This employer is hiring because they have a problem that they need to solve and they need to solve yesterday, usually. Um, and so it is like on you to do your homework and, hey, Rami, and to do your homework and to really make the suggestions for the solutions that you can offer to their problems. And so that's where like the empathy piece comes in. And then local 
spitballing yourself, you might wonder like, how is asking for a higher salary um, empathetic or considerate of your employer? And so once again, I'm not saying to ask for something like ridiculously out of your range, but once you know your range, which again, you totally, you totally should know before going in to negotiation, you always wanna make sure that you're asking for the top of that range. And the reason is that it projects certainty in your capabilities. So imagine coming in with this, all these um, skills and experiences that you're claiming can easily be translated into highly valuable for their company to solve the problems that they have now and the challenges that they're facing. And you're making this case and you're, you know, they're convinced and then you come to the negotiations and they ask you for like how much you were thinking and you kind of, you go for the lower end because you're, you know, out of this reasoning that, okay, well, that's something that I can for sure get because you're afraid to ask for the higher one. Well, that is completely incongruent with all the skills and abilities that you just listed and all the things that you said you could do. If you're really as top talent as you said you are, then how come you're asking for that much less? And even the employers, you know, they're going to negotiate hard. You know, there, there will be like a negotiation there. But even subconsciously, even if they're happy to give you a lower salary because it's like, oh, you know, like what a sucker. But really, it creates even subconsciously this um, misalignment about, you know, what you are actually capable of. And it'll, it'll kind of seed doubt in their mind. And you don't want to start a job like that, right? You want like your, your first three months on the job are your chance to really like shine and impress. It's like the, that grace period where, you know, you're both kind of testing each other to see if it's actually going to work out. And, you know, if, if each party, how truthful they were being about what they, what they could and would do. And so the pre- conceptions that you, that both of you come with um, to those into those three months and into the beginning of your working relationship are going to impact how you both experience those three months. And so why, why do you want to stack the odds against you by seeding doubt um, in your abilities in their mind? And that's what you do when you lowball yourself. Um, so you want to be asking for that higher salary. You want to be projecting that certainty. You want it to be congruent with, you know, everything else that you're saying as you're quote unquote marketing yourself um, in these, in these um, sessions. And, you know, if you're wondering like, well, what if I'm not a top performer in this? What if I'm not top talent? And what if I can't do all those things? If that's the case, I don't think personally that you should be applying for that job. So I think that any job that you do is going to challenge you and you don't want to go for a job where it's like in the bag boring, but you want to go, you know, you want to go to a place where you're confident that you can, you can get, you can do the things that you say that you can do and you can deliver the skills that you say that you have. Um, and sometimes it's a matter of like looking for a different role and a different job. Sometimes it's just a matter of strengthening that certainty within yourself to saying, oh, I can't, I really can do this. And I'm sure like the way that I experience this at least is, is um, if I don't work on it and I don't condition that certainty, 
then it can kind of waver day to day. It's like, oh, today I feel really great. I feel like I can take over the world. And the next day it's like, well, I had a fight with my mom. So today I don't feel so good about it anymore. And I don't feel good about myself. Um, maybe I'll do like a different different um, <laughs> Facebook Live about certainty. But the point is you want to be able to come into the, to these negotiations where you're telling the truth, meaning like you believe everything that you're saying and there's not a drop of um, misalignment or uncertainty um, that you can't produce the things that you say you can and asking for the right salary, in this case, top of your range is a part of it. And so those are the things that I've seen that people do and I would like um, for you to not do. And I don't want to see anybody in the group recommending to do those things because they're horrible. Um, and I hope that, you know, with everything that we've discussed today, you see um, that you see why. Um, so if you've been doing these things, stop doing them. If you need help implementing some of those uh, alternative behaviors or actions, please just reach out. And if you are actually struggling with something totally different, um, just say so. Let me know. I, I want to create, you know, stuff that's relevant for you guys. So let me know exactly what you want to hear. And that's what we will cover. And that's it. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts um, or any requests. And that's it. Happy Wednesday.